Today, it's the prospect episode. We've got service time manipulation. Is it worth it? And why did the Mets and Padres go against the grain? And are we looking too much into prospects? Are they overhyped? And we'll also give our favorite sleeper prospects from throughout the minor leagues. That's on the docket for today's Stitches podcast. everybody and welcome to another edition of the Stitches Podcast. I'm your host, Luke Manderfeld. We've got Nick Budig and Noah Manderfeld here with me. Robert Stangler still having some computer issues, so as he works through that, we've got a fun-filled episode for you today. We're talking about prospects. The baseball season is underway and prospects have been the big talk throughout the league. So we want to go over some of the biggest issues surrounding minor league players and some of the team's biggest prospects. But first, let me introduce you to the Stitches panel. Noah Manderfeld, you and I did it solo last week. You're back again. How's it going? I'm always here. I'm a consistent guy. I'm the 162-game player. That's what I am. Every day, show up. You're you're the first one to arrive and the last one to leave, right? High motor. That's the goal. That's the goal. Yeah. We've also got Nick Budick, who couldn't make it last week because he was dealing with some uh, influenza bug. Is that right? Yeah, it wiped me out for a little while. Yeah, I can still tell you're a little under the weather, aren't you? Yeah, I am. I, I tried to play some basketball already today. I'll let you guys know how it went tomorrow morning. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. You're going to feel that one in the morning for sure. Um, so, yeah, prospect talk today. Uh, we've got a lot to go over. Um, but first, just want to remind you about where we are. We're on iTunes. We're on Stitcher. We're on Google Play Music. We are on all the platforms. So make sure to subscribe if you like the podcast. Leave us a review. We always appreciate the feedback. Uh, we're we're going to be switching some stuff up today. Uh, you might have noticed the new intro where uh, I will be talking about kind of the, the agenda for the day before we jump into the episode. We're also cutting the debate section. We just thought it was a little forced and it just really didn't jive with what the the podcast is about. So we're just doing the name game and then our, our topics for the day. And I'm sure we'll have a bunch of uh, debates throughout the show so you won't miss the, the debates too much. All right, let's do the name game. Noah, did you get it right last week? I did. I, okay. I did get it right. I think I'm on like a three-week winning streak. I don't know. You're going to have to go back and look at the record for that one. I don't believe you. Go to our historian. <laughs> yeah. And now that Robert's not here, I think you guys are going to both get this one right. Well, <laughs> Just, well it could also hurt because whatever Robert doesn't do, or whatever Robert does, you have to not do because he always gets it wrong. So Let's go get okay. Nick. All right, so today's name game, it's J.D. Hammer. J.D. Hammer. He's a Phillies pitcher. He was picked in the 24th round of the 2016 MLB draft by the Rockies. And he hasn't pitched above high A. So J.D. Hammer is today's name game. Nick, you were gone last week and you're under the weather, so we're going to give you the benefit of the doubt here. You go first. Oh, thanks, you. Um, let's see here. Hammer. Great baseball name. Yeah. Um, For a pitcher, though, it doesn't. it's not that good. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you dropped the hammer. Yeah, that still doesn't work. Um, I'll have to go. I'm going to go with yes. I think this is a player. Okay. Noah? Can I just say this? If he were paired with Thor, uh, Noah Syndergaard, it'd be, you know, Thor and his hammer. It'd be a pretty good combo. Uh, but I'm going to go no. I don't think that's a real person. Not okay. No. Now we have to lobby baseball to just make this trade happen so that J.D. Hammer is on the Mets. All right. Let's jump into today's topic. We've got prospect talk. We've got lots of prospects who have made their debut in the last week as the baseball season has got underway. 
Notably, Peter Alonzo, first baseman for the New York Mets, Chris Paddock for the San Diego Padres, and Fernando Tatis Jr. for the San Diego Padres. Their GMs opted to not go uh, what's kind of been the common route for baseball and and keep them down in the minor leagues to gain that extra year of service time. Obviously, the, if you keep them in the minor leagues for, I think it's four, uh, 14 days around there, you get that extra year of uh, control over a player. So a lot of teams will come up with some bogus excuses not to uh, call up their prospects. But the Padres and Mets said, uh, we don't really care about the rules. We want our best players up now. And obviously, they're competing for division titles. So it made sense for them. Uh, I wanted to talk about the issue of service time manipulation. And we've seen this with uh, if the White Sox didn't sign Eloy Jimenez to the to the extension, he would have been down in the minors for two weeks. Vlad Guerrero's hurt, but we all know he would have been down in the minor leagues as well if he uh, wasn't hurt. Is service time manipulation worth it? I mean, that's it's 14 days, so you're you're probably missing around 12-ish games. Is it worth it to keep your best players down in the minor leagues and maybe forfeit some wins if you're in contention? No, I'll start with you. For a team, it definitely is worth it. I mean, you're sacrificing two weeks for an entire year of control. Why, why wouldn't you do it? Now, should the rule be changed? That's a different argument. Uh, it definitely should be. I think uh, it allows teams to manipulate uh, with players and the money that they're going to make. But for sure, it is worth it for a team to keep a player in the minus for two weeks. Now, that being said, looking at the players who are up, uh, Pete Alonso, Chris Paddock, and Fernando Tatis, uh, the Padres and the Mets are both teams that are starving for young stars. I think the Mets less so, but the Padres for sure. They have Manny Machado, and they're ready to compete all year long, and they want their stars up there, especially in that rotation that is really weak. That's why they need Chris Paddock. So I think that's why they kept him up, but keeping him down the minors for two weeks is for sure worth it. Keep in mind the Cubs did that with Chris Bryant a couple years ago, and they got next year a control out of that too. Yeah, I think the it's, it's interesting when you look at a team's what their kind of what their outlook looks like, right? So the Mets and Padres are obviously mm-hmm. fighting for a division. I think it it makes sense to uh, have your prospects up because in that case they need to win. So every Nick, single what game are you, counts. Exactly, every single game counts, especially in a division as tight as those two. Nick, what are your thoughts? Uh, I think it's hard not to agree with Noah. I mean, for for fourteen day for fourteen days in the minors, you get in for an extra year. I mean, that's it's kind of hard to argue with that uh, that thought process. At the same time, you got to look at these, I mean, these players might be a little offended by it. Maybe they won't sign that contract in, in year, year six because of this. But I think everything Noah said, it's, it's hard to argue with it. And uh, it's, it's interesting to see the, that these, these guys are being called up. You look at kind of four of the top, top six prospects are, are up in the, in the, from the minors are playing, playing this year. Uh, and, and it's kind of exciting. But at the same time, it's, it's hard to go against what, what what the owners have been doing. I know with the CBA coming up, there's going to be a, a little bit of a, a fight over this whole thing. I think maybe, maybe it kind of secretly was the kind of, kind of uh, help there, help there, help the man owner's case a little bit, but keeping them down for, for maybe eight games isn't going to hurt the team. And I mm-hmm. think, I think Nick, you brought up a good point with, are they going to resign that contract? I'm thinking that as a twins fan with Byron Buxton, of course he came <laughs> up, but last year in September, they held him in the minor leagues he was pretty upset about it. He's got a chip on his shoulder this year. And is that going to affect his uh, contract extension uh, negotiations potentially in a couple of years? And you look at the GMs who made these decisions. A.J. Preller with the with the Padres. And then you got Brody Van Wagen. I believe that's how you say his name with the Mets. 
Uh, they're both kind of against the grain type of guys, right? Mm-hmm. AJ Preller's young. Van Wagen's a former agent who represents players. Uh, as I watch Mc- uh, Michael Franco go yard off Max Scherzer here in this game. Van <laughs> <laughs> uh, Wagen, uh, I, I hope I'm saying that right. And Preller, they're the young guys, right? They they are they're not afraid to go against the grain. And you talk about the the coverage they get just for do for for not keeping their players in the minor leagues alone. I feel like makes their teams a little more likable. I don't know. Oh, it's just yeah, like a, sure. a thing I have in my head. Like, I want to watch the Mets because I want to watch Peter Alonzo, who's like one of the few prospects who actually got a chance to play opening day this year. And mm-hmm. then you got Fernando Tatis, who's just hit his first career home run. They both hit their first yeah. home runs in the last few days. And Chris Paddock, he didn't have the great – he had a or he had a great first MLB start. I think he had five scoreless five innings. Five shutout innings, yeah. So these guys, I mean, they're, they're special to watch. And I think that's exciting that GMs are kind of saying, hey – we're going to call these guys up because we need wins. So I think it's mm-hmm. kind of a, I hope this is kind of where the trend's going, even if the CBA uh, gives the advantage to teams who keep their prospects down. And I, th- I think, uh, too, what better confidence booster than to see a player, to, for a player to be on the opening day roster? I mean, Chris Paddock, five shutout innings in the first week of uh, baseball. It's exciting, and you feel like you deserved it coming out of spring training. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's the best thing for a young player looking at uh, Fernando Tatis you saw, we saw some quotes from him he was fully expecting to go on to the minors fully expecting this and then he said how surprised he would be if he got called up well here he is he made the opening day roster and I mean he's putting up putting on good numbers and I think uh, the confidence is a boost for him as well and I mean us being fantasy guys I love having <laughs> Fernando Tatis up here and Peter yeah Long, I forgot you have had. him yeah <laughs> yeah he's been he's been doing pretty well uh it's kind of these are kind of bad examples but when you look at prospects today i feel like there's so much buzz around them that there's so much hype to live up to you look at ronald acuna Mm -hmm. last year he obviously had a spectacular year but Mm -hmm. what would have happened if you flopped or what if um this year we don't really know what's going to happen but if like guerrero struggles or tachi's struggles he hasn't yet but are we overvaluing prospects and we we hit all this buzz around how prospects have could change a team and, and they very well could, but it's just one player. So I mean, are we overvaluing how prospects can impact a team? That I mean, we're we're viewing them like the next generation of stars. I think we definitely are, and I think it's just going to be something that's that's always going to be the case. It's kind of we none of us really get to watch these guys play. We always just hear the stats and how they're tearing up single A and double A and all this, and we're there's always going to be the hype train that follows these guys and. And for 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 teams like the Padres, for low budget teams, it's exciting. It's the excitement for the fans to hear about this this young twenty year old that's going to come up and be the saving grace, be the next Mike Trout. But in reality, if you look at baseball as a game, you can pitch around Mike Trout's and and Jose Batista's when he was tearing it up. It's not it's not a game like basketball where you can have a LeBron James just take over a game or anything like that. Uh, but I think, I mean, it's just going to be a course of baseball overhyping, overhyping guys like this. And I, I mean, I, I think it's good for the game. I think I think I agree. It's definitely good for the game. Um, but when you're looking at players coming out of the draft, who who are the players coming out of the draft that are the top ranked prospects? It's the first rounders or the first mm-hmm. or second rounders. If you're drafted in about the 12th round, you could perform just as well as those first rounders, but you're going to still fly under that radar. And I think that's what we see a lot. We see these first rounders. We watch them so closely. They do something that flashes that potential. And we, that confirms it's almost confirmation bias at that point. Oh, hey, they are top 10 prospect and they come up and they have a lot of holes in their game that we don't realize. 
Mm -hmm. I think that's the flaw in the system. You know, if you're drafted in the first round, there's almost that expectation that you're supposed to do well. And we don't even see the possibility that they could fail. And that's why we see these underrated prospects who are drafted later come up and do so well. They don't have that pressure on them and they can just play the game that they want to play. Mm-hmm. And we see we talk so much about post hype prospects, too, because I've heard it so many different places that development isn't linear. So mm-hmm. you won't a guy doesn't necessarily develop every year. He gets better and better. Sometimes mm-hmm. there's ups and downs and then eventually he gets good. And uh, I think when when a when the first time a prospect comes up, I'll take Kyle Tucker for example with the Houston Astros, an outfielder. He struggled in the major leagues last year. He was tearing it up in AAA, and that level between AAA and the major leagues is so different that you you have to make adjustments or else you're not going to make it. So it's going to be interesting to see how Kyle Tucker adjusts. But we've seen that with so many different players that they have all this hype going into a season. They maybe struggle a little bit, and then they have to kind of readjust and come back. And then at that point, they're post hype, right? And I think the buzz comes so much from – there's so much more buzz with a team that's doing worse than a team that's doing well. We talked about the Minnesota Twins a few years back with Byron Buxton, Miguel Sano, and all the pitchers they had, like Trevor May and Alex Meyer in the minors at that one point. So many people were calling Buxton like the savior. Sano was like the savior. Alex Meyer was going to be the ace they, of the They still are. And, yeah. and, yeah, they still are. But at that point, that's all Twins had to look forward to. Right mm-hmm. now, the Twins have a pretty good roster. Um without Buxton being the person that everyone wants to watch, right? So uh, I think it depends on the team. It depends on the fan base. New York's obviously going to be more crazy than Minnesota. It depends on a lot of things. But, yeah, I do think there is a, a built-in overhype with prospects. But, yeah, Nick, I agree with your point. It's very exciting to to listen to, and it's exciting for fans who may be going through a rebuilding phase to look forward to those prospects and track their favorite prospects in the minors. It's also really easy in the minor leagues to hide your flaws. We see this a lot of times with pitchers with their control. They have no control in the minor leagues, but they're able to hide it so much because they have just a nasty fastball or a good breaking ball. And then they come to the majors, and major leaguers will lay off of those pitches, and they'll yep. draw walks. And then all of a sudden, the entire uh, pitcher's head goes awry, and they fall off track. Yeah, it happens all the time. So. Uh, yeah, I, I think we're all in agreement. They're a little overhyped, but in, in general, it's a good thing that they're overhyped because mm-hmm. we want fans to get excited. Okay, we're going to wrap up the prospect talk with sleeper prospects. And this is an exciting one for me because we all talk about, we've talked about some of the bigger prospects with Pete Alonzo and Chris Paddock and Vlad Guerrero and Eloy Jimenez. But every year there seems to be that prospect who comes up and kind of surprises people and no one's really kind of uh, expecting them to burst on the scene. So I want to go over some of our sleeper prospects that we've looked into who could make an impact this year that no one's really expecting. I'll start. I'll, I'll kind of kick things off here. Dylan Cease, uh, starting pitcher for the Chicago White Sox. He uh, was with the Cubs most recently. And I think he's going to be an exciting guy. The White Sox have their, – their rotation isn't pretty. We all understand the White Sox aren't going to have that great of a year, even in a down AL Central. But Dylan Cease, just looking at his minor stats – his, his ERA has never been above three in a full season except once out of his four seasons, and that was in 2017. Last year, between double-A uh, and high, a 2.4 ERA and 124 innings with 160 strikeouts. That's a 11.6 strikeout per nine. Uh, you, you look at the ERA difference between his 2017 year and his 2018 year, it's clear that he's adjusting, he's getting better. Uh, at a higher level, he's having a better ERA. So I'm really excited to see how he can move up into this White Sox team. And I expect him to to be up this year because the White Sox, 
they really have nothing to lose to give their young guys a shot. So I'm excited to see how what he can do when he comes up this year and see if he can be that stud pitcher the White Sox really haven't had since Chris Sale. Um, what about you guys? You guys heard anything, about, heard anything about Dylan Cease that's got you a little bit excited? I really like the you brought up Dylan Cease, and I think it's 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 kind of surprising that he's a sleeper pick. With uh, I mean, with his just his strikeout numbers alone, how pretty incredible they are. Uh, his his innings obviously are going to be down with being in the minors. Not going to want to show him a whole lot. Uh, but I, I think it's going to be fun. I think White Sox are a team, again, that we're talking about that's going to have all the hype with these prospects, but it's also going to give these prospects a chance to, chance to come up and maybe just maybe just go balls to the wall and try to strike everyone out. And I think that's what Dylan sees, really what his, his calling card is. Uh, I know with the controls, a little bit of an issue, but I, I really like him. And I don't understand why he's a sleeper because he, really, he has some really nasty stuff. Uh, but I, I I agree with you on that. Can Easy. can I just can I just go into a stat oddity? Um, Twenty seventeen between the Cubs and the White Sox single A team, he was one in ten, and then he comes over to the White Sox and he goes twelve and two the next year. How does that happen? <laughs> Who knows? Wins and losses for pitchers are just totally no, foolish. Honestly, you cannot predict them. Uh, Nick, you talk about the walk issues. He had a three point six walk per nine last year, which actually an uptick from his 4.2 in 2017 and 5.0 in 2016. So you can see that walk rate starting to come down a little bit. So I'm hoping he's figuring some stuff out and mm-hmm. uh, he can kind of get back in line with some average numbers going into 2019. All right, uh, Noah, you are next. Who is your sleeper prospect? Uh, my guy is Pablo Reyes for the Pittsburgh Pirates. And I think this guy never gets attention yet. He's tore it up every minor league uh, year. He, I see potential 10 to 15 home runs, uh, 280 to 290 average with 20 to 30 stolen bases. And he was good in his MLB stint last year. He hit 293 with three home runs. He's with the major league team right now. Um, and he's right now currently in kind of a utility role, getting some uh, sparse playing time. But he hits the ball very hard, especially in that stint in the major leagues. And I think he could see more time as the year gets on, especially if the Pirates happen to fall out of contention. Yeah, I think the Pirates are a really interesting team this year. Nick, you said it best a few days ago. You said they were the most average all-around team in baseball. They're just kind of eh. They don't do anything super well, but they don't do anything super badly. I think that's a good way to describe them. So I think having a guy like Pablo Reyes on a team who maybe can provide a spark plug, uh, I think he's going to get a shot this year. No, I'm with you on that one. Uh, Nick, who is your sleeper prospect this year? Um, I'm going to have to go again with the Rays prospect, Nathan Nathaniel Lowe. Um, He kind of, he kind of, he's kind of added some pop to his game. And I think that's much needed for the Rays at first base, especially. I know they have Yandy Diaz and Choi over there, but they don't really have a third baseman with pop. And moving Diaz over to third base, it it gives an opportunity for, for Lowe to come up and really kind of kind of bring an extra extra hitter into the lineup that can crush the ball around. And I know the Rays have have had a prosperity for uh, having 30 home run guys come out of nowhere. And uh, with with Lowe's fly ball percentage that's been kind of increasing over the years, over the past couple past couple of years in the minors, I think there is a potential there for him to kind of add to this potential World Series winning team. He's a yeah. You haven't won the World Series. So. <laughs> uh, Nathaniel Lowe, he's a big prospect. Um, he is. Uh, he's got a. There's another. Uh, is it Lau or Lowe on the team too? Um, yeah. Brandon Lau. 
Yeah. Dan and Lau. Yeah, I think we're getting that right. So it's kind of interesting. They're spelled the same, but they are not the same. <laughs> uh, I actually am excited to see Nate Lowe. He's gotten a lot of, uh, he's gotten a little bit of buzz in some AL only fantasy leagues. I know, especially in ours, he got a little bit of buzz. But just speaking nationwide or um, just among just general baseball circles, you're right. He hasn't really gotten that much play, and I think he is a, a sleeper pick for sure. He hits the ball hard, and you look at his season last year: 27 home runs among uh, between three three levels, 102 RBIs. 330 batting average. I mean, that's ridiculous. So I, I'm really excited to see uh, him make an impact this year. Um, you guys have a couple other sleeper prospects down. We could probably touch on a little bit. Noah, Kevin Crone, why don't you take us through that? Yeah, Kevin Crone, he's the first base brother of CJ Crone right now for the Minnesota Twins. And in the minor leagues, he's Is that the only reason you picked him? That's not the only reason. He's He has 100 home runs in four seasons, Luke. Don't mock me. Uh, <laughs> Just like his brother. Last, yeah. At AAA last year, he had 22 homers and a 309 average. Now, there's only one uh, concern with him. It's He struck out 100 times in 400 at-bats last year at AAA. Um, but uh, if he can somehow limit those or maybe even only strike out 120 to 130 times, I can't believe I'm saying only 120 to 130 times, but that's what it is in this day's game. Um, I think he could be a force. And looking at uh, maybe I'm, it's a stretch to compare these two, but Paul Goldschmidt, underrated first baseman. He had similar minor league numbers. He had more homers, five to ten more, but otherwise um, pretty similar. I'm not saying Kevin Crone is the next Goldie, but he has some similarities, okay. and I think he can come up as a sleeper prospect. Yeah. Did you say 100 strikeouts and 400 at-bats? Yes. Yeah, so about wow. 25% strikeout rate. Ugh. Yeah, that's a little yeah. high. I agree. Yeah, if you can cut those down for sure, you can be an impact. Um, Nick, you've got one too, um, but you your guy isn't that big of a sleeper, but he is. I, I'm actually, I think he is being slept on this year. Francisco Mejia, the catcher for the Padres. Take us through that. Yeah, I mean, the reason I, I just consider him to be a sleeper is kind of he's kind of lost his his steam since he got traded over from the Indians. Uh, he was this number, just top prospect for them. Going to be this really good catcher for them, which I'm, I, I think they're regretting right now, uh, trading him for some relievers. But that's besides the point. Uh, he has a, he's not going to be a defensive first uh, catcher in any by any sort of the mean. But he has a very good bat, and I think it's something that will play in the majors. It's, it's just that he, he needs to get some playing time. He's uh, going to be splitting time with Austin Barnes. And uh, there's potential there for the for the this young Padres team. To, I mean, they have already have Fernando Tatis. They already have another great second base prospect that has some really strong up the middle uh, hitters. And I, I think there's there's potential for for this me uh, Francisco to uh, to yeah. light light up some scoreboards. Mm-hmm. I'll throw in one more guy, Kyle Zimmer for the Kansas City Royals. He used to be a big pitching prospect back in the day, and he ended up his career kind of derailed because of injuries. And the Royals re-signed him in the offseason because he he went to driveline baseball, upped his velocity, kind of got some of that flair and that buzz back. And he just made his first relief appearance, his Major League debut the other day, uh, had a couple strikeouts. So it's kind of exciting to see him. And he's got velocity mm-hmm. again. Mm-hmm. I wonder if he could maybe develop into a starter that people thought he would be, albeit at a, a little bit of an older age. But it's kind of exciting to see that a former prospect we all talk about driveline baseball, all the analytics and stuff they do there, mm-hmm. and uh, maybe he could develop into something. So that's kind of a storyline to watch, I think, a little bit on the Royals team that maybe doesn't have a lot of storylines to to listen to. Those are our sleeper prospect picks, some players to watch out for this year that you might not be expecting. 
Uh, that'll wrap up our prospect talk for today. So let's wrap things up with the name game where I uh, gave these guys a name to guess if it's a real baseball player or not. J.D. Hammer was the name I came up with, a uh, Rockies pitcher. Come on. And Nick, you said yes, right? I did. Okay, Noah, you said no. That's correct. All right, yeah, he's actually a player, and I think yeah, I gave yeah. it away a little bit. You yeah. gave it away, Luke. Hold your hand there, Luke. Oh, well. Noah, you can't change your pick. Yeah. <laughs> just I because agree. I gave it away, you can't just change your pick, so you're wrong. You lost All your right. streak. All right. Fair to say, <laughs> Whatever you say. Robert would have got it wrong, so we're just going to say his streak lives on of like 6 straight. <laughs> um, just going to say that because it's necessary. You can say he hasn't got one right in six weeks. That's still. Yeah, I say. Yeah, it's true. He hasn't got one right. He's got a winless streak. Winless streak, <laughs> as they say in soccer, if you draw. All right, that'll wrap up our show for today. We'll hopefully have Robert Stangler back next week if he can get his computer fixed. And uh, make sure to check us out on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play Music, wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, we're, we're on all those platforms. Subscribe, rate, give us some feedback. We'd appreciate it. And uh, we'll talk to you next week. Take care.